Good evening and you're very welcome to another episode of The Rugby Show here on FinalWhistle.ie. It's episode 5 of our second season and once again I'm Graf Early and I'm joined by our intrepid reporter from across the leagues, Kieran Noble. Kieran, another week older, another week wiser. Uh, how are you going? I don't know about wiser but yeah, definitely another week older. What else would I be doing on my Wednesday night? Absolutely. Well, you and the rest of the rugby community, hopefully in the country, will be tuned in to us for the next 45 minutes to half an hour or 50 minutes or so um, while we chat all things AIL. We're going to hear from Greystone's captain, Owen Marmion, about his season so far. Fantastic start for the Wicklow side. Uh, four wins from four. We'll hear all about it from him very, very shortly. Uh, we'll also be chatting um, to Kieran about all the action across all six divisions uh, from 1A to 2C and the women's division, of course, Thrown in as well. But Kieran, I suppose we'll start with your weekend. Um, where were you over the weekend? What games caught your fancy? I was lucky enough to be doing the commentary in Trinity for their game against Ballina Hinch. So I hope I wasn't giving anybody an earache, but I, I got some pretty nice comments, which is always good to see. So uh, yeah, I was at that game and it was very good. Ballina Hinch were 13 0 up at one stage, but uh, Trinity were very good in the second half and I think it finished 35 16 to Trinity. So they're still unbeaten. So that's where I was on Saturday, and I'll be in uh, the Aviva this Saturday for Ireland versus South Africa. Nice place to be if you can get the tickets. And in terms of uh, my Saturday, I spent it, of course, right here uh, putting in all the results live as they happen on the site. You can catch all those live updates across the uh, AIL on our website, uh, finalwhistle.ie, and just click on the rugby live games. So you get it all there. Uh, but for me, I, my focus was on Trinity as well, because I have to say kudos to their Twitter um, it's one of the funniest things going on a Saturday afternoon. Borderline, borderline dangerous. <laughs> it's it's entertaining, I'll give it that. But listen, let's turn our attention to Division 2B and we'll start with the leaders. Uh, Greystones, of course, another big win at the weekend. They're fourth in four games. They sit comfortably top of the table, three points clear at Dungannon, who are uh, obviously in second place on that table. Uh, we might catch up with their captain, their lock, uh, Owen Marmion, and he joins us now. Owen, uh, you're very, very welcome to the programme. Thanks for having me, lads. Yes, great to get on the show. Well, you're very welcome. We're delighted to have you. And I suppose uh, ahead of a clash with my local side down here, Sligo at the weekend, we had to invite you on to try and get some background knowledge and a little bit of uh, some of the insights you're going to give us over the next 10 or 15 minutes or so, <laughs> obviously. Uh, uh, but in term Sorry, I've heard. I know I was saying I can't be giving away any secrets now tonight, but... Um... We'll see. We'll see. We've got, we've got a few minutes. Uh, in terms of, I suppose, the season so far, you've got to be happy with four wins from four. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can't not be happy with four from four. But, um, of course, you can't get complacent. Like We've we've been nine from nine at Christmas and we've, we haven't won the league. So we learned that kind of thing the hard way. Complacency will kill you. So we got to just keep uh, keep the heads down and keep playing on each week. Yeah. So, yeah, on to Sligo this week, which is always a tough place to go. It's a long journey. The weather's never great. But um, I was saying just there earlier that uh, I've only ever played there when it was sunny. I played once last year and the sun was splitting the stones down there, which was a shock to everyone on the bus down. But, um, yeah, no, it'll probably be I'll probably get the worst of the weather this weekend. But, yeah, what can you do? What do you think has went well for you guys, though, this season in the first four games? Um, I think, well, we had a long preseason, so, we, well, we, yeah, we had a long preseason, so everyone was kind of with each other and around each other from, what, like, July, so we kind of come together as a group a lot, Dan is our, we have a new head coach, Dan Kenny, um, and Stuart as well, and they've, they kind of wanted to bring in their, their plays and their different kind of set piece early on, so, We've spent a bit of time together getting those right, and it didn't it didn't come together for a while, to be honest. But it's starting to come together now, and it's 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 come come at the right time, come at the start of AIL. So, um, yeah, I'd say it's just the the coaches and having time together to get a long preseason in. You mentioned uh, nine from nine that started last year, and, and the way that the whole COVID affected league over the last couple of seasons. Uh, had it been a normal year, of course, you'd have been promoted as top of the table. There was no automatic promotion last year. Does that rank her a little bit? Is that something you kind of a little bit disappointed with how that all panned out? Yeah, it's one of those things like it's you can't do anything about it. It's out of your control, so there's no point uh, moaning and groaning about it. But it definitely was a bit of um, 
they 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 let us know the night before our last match before Christmas was when they sent out an email. So it was going into that. We were, I think it was eight from eight going into that. And um, yeah, we ended up, I think the heads kind of dropped a little bit here and that being like, oh, kind of what's the point? Those thoughts go through your head as much as you don't want them to. But um, uh, yeah, that's that's just the way it goes sometimes. So you just got to deal with it. And we knew it, we knew it halfway through that we just had to keep, keep pushing on for the rest of the season. So um <clears throat> Which I think we did as well, and we did. We had, we had a good second half to the season. It was just that um, that last game against Black Rock in the very very final play that killed us. But um, yeah, I have to just move on from that. And how do you bounce back from something like that? Like last play of the game, losing out in promotion. Like how do you g the lads up and kind of get them ready to go again this time around? Yeah, I mean it is it is tough to. Yeah, you have the whole kind of summer to think about it and think of what could have gone right, what should have gone right. Um, but then you kind of just you get over it over the summer and you you, you come together as a group again. The, the towards the end of the summer, the start of preseason, and you you kind of just talk about what you want to talk about what you want to do and what you're what you expect from the season and kind of just talk it out and put all the cards on the table from everyone and then everyone just has to buy into it. That's that's more or less it, really. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about the impact that you mentioned briefly there yourself, but Dan, uh, what he's brought in, what has he brought in that kind of that's been different from last year? Because you were probably the most dominant side in that division last year. Um, it's a tough task to, to follow that. We seem to have matched last season's intensity with this. Uh, how much has that been down to maybe a fresh voice in the dressing room? Yeah, there's there's that, and he's also he also plays with us, so he's it makes my job as captain a lot easier when your coach is there beside you in the pack playing. So, um, but he brings not only is he a great player and he leads by example on the pitch, but he also he's very smart in terms of he knows he does his homework, he knows like where the space is and what moves to run at what times. He's a bit of a wizard in the lineouts. He knows exactly what's going on, which I've learned a lot from. Um and yeah, he like he does his homework. He looked, he he knows don't want to give too much away, but even against <laughs> uh, against Belfast last week, he showed us clips of like three or four of their different lineouts that they had done so far in the season, and that was their first four lineouts that they did in the game. And Jack, our second row, took every single one of them. So um that kind of stuff <clears throat> comes down to Dan the coaches big time, just them doing their homework and then also relaying it to the lads as well, like because a lot of the time you can be overloaded with information, and then when you get on the pitch, you're full of adrenaline, and sometimes things can just go out the window. So, <clears throat> yeah, they just have to that they've been doing well getting the information to us and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that would be my next question, I suppose. Was it hard adapting to a new coaching setup? Because Kevin Lewis was there for a long time, and then Warren O'Kelly as well. Like, is it hard to when a new coach comes in to get used to the the way he likes doing things, or has have you all just settled in really well? Yeah, you see, it was kind of a smooth transition with Dan because he played with us and kind of was a, a bit of an assistant coach, pack leader last year. So it was it was a smooth transition that he was there and it wasn't just a new lad coming in uh, out of nowhere kind of thing. Um. But yeah, they they're like they're very different styles in coaching anyway. Like Kev Lewis is old school, and same with Warren. They'd be old school out in the rain, beating the crap out of each other on a Tuesday night. Whereas Dan is kind of more, um, how would you say it's more? I don't know. He's less less about beating each other up, and more about kind of they have a bit of kind of player management and not going too hard on a Tuesday if you've had a tough match on the weekend, that kind of stuff. Um, but. Uh, yeah, that's there are different styles, and Stuart's great as well. Stuart does all the scrummaging and a lot of the lineouts and video anal- analysis and stuff. So, um, yeah, no, it's good. It's very different. We're we're done at nine o'clock on the dot every every uh, Tuesday and Thursday, whereas Kevin's can drag on sometimes, depending if we're uh, if we're getting it right or not. You know, in terms of your own personal involvement, of course. Uh been involved with Greystones, your whole family's involved with Greystones, a couple of brothers on the team as well. Uh, but you took a little bit of a break that kind of COVID interrupted. You went to Vancouver for a little while. Uh, COVID kind of spoiled that a little bit. 
is are you have you got that wanderlust a little bit travel bug out of your system or is that something that might happen down the future or will you be in that gray stone shirt for a couple of years more mm, yeah i think so until like my plan is to stick it out here i've once once you come back, you get a job and you settle in and you get a place to live and all that kind of stuff. So I think the stage I'm at now, I've probably got it out of my system. I mean, never say never, but kind of settling down here now and I'm enjoying it. And I think the time away from the rugby, I, I didn't play at all when I was over there. And I think that may gave like kind of relit the fire to start getting back into it. And it was one of the things I missed the most when I was over there, just and I because you'd, you'd still be in the WhatsApp groups, you'd see it all going on, you'd, you'd get sent the video and you'd watch it back and all that, even when you're over there and you'd see what's going on and there's a bit of, you feel like you're missing out or whatever, but um, I know it's definitely come back, came back ready to go and very eager to get back into it, to be honest, yeah. I played a bit of Aussie Rules over in, uh, in uh, Vancouver, actually, which was pretty random. But um, your two brothers, Killian and Shane, are both on the team as well. You were just telling me that Shane's suffered a bad injury, which isn't nice to hear. Like, he's a fantastic player as well. But what's it like playing with your brothers? Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. It's, it's, obviously, it's great for my family and for my parents and my grandparents who come down to watch the games. They absolutely love it. And it's, we have a big family involvement in the club. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's it is brilliant to you. You have that extra kind of bond with your brother than you would with anybody else, you know. And when 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 things get tough, kind of stuff, you can look to each other. And luckily, Kill was because Kill was captain previously before me. I'd, he'd always kind of step up in the big moments when when the team would need him, and I always respected that and looked up to him about that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, no, it's great. I'm yeah, unfortunate about Shane, but there's there's plenty of time once he once he just focuses on the rehab and gets uh comes back stronger. He does have the talent and the skill to get in, so I to get into the team. So the day will hopefully come down the line again. Talking about the rest of the season, I suppose Killian won't play any any part in that. But I'm uh, talking sorry, Shane won't yeah. play any part in the rest of the season. But uh, hopefully, yourself and Killian will be part of that squad to the end of the year. You set a, a decent target of unbeaten games last year. Can you go better this year? Is there a chance that we could be seeing uh, double figures? Could we see 15, 16? Is is, eight, is eighteen beyond the realms of possibility? Well, nothing's no beyond no the pressure. possibility at all now, but you know, I'm not going to jinx anything. We're just going to take it, take it game by game and week by week. And the last thing you want to be doing is thinking about the end of the season when you're midway through and you've only won four games. So, yeah, we just got to not get ahead of ourselves and just keep focusing on the next, do our homework on the team that we're playing next week. And every game is the biggest game of the year. That's how we see it. And. I was going to ask you, who's the best player you've played with, actually, in Greystones? That's a tough one. Um, he, he has to say the brothers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's he, a yeah, trick well, question. Kill definitely, to be honest, Kill would be up there, I'm not going to lie. Um, but I'd say probably... Maybe Andrew Keeley was probably one of the people I looked up to the most when I because he was, he was captain and the best player when I came through um from 20s and just as kind of his smarts not he's not like he's not going to be running through people but he's he's just he's got good rugby smarts and he knows the game so well and always kind of makes the right decision at the right time which is a a a very tough thing to do you know absolutely well go on you go no no you go you go no, I was just going to say uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Of course, it's Sligo for you on Saturday for yourself and your Greystones teammates. Uh, I'm not going to wish you the, the very best of luck, but I wish you a little bit of luck uh, at, at the game. And uh, hopefully uh, you keep continuing to put that pressure on the other teams around you at the top of the table. And, I'm from uh, Wicklow now, Brefney. I want the Greystones boys to get the win. So We'll fight about it off air afterwards. We'll be fine. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Really enjoyed having you. Owen Marmion there uh, from Greystones captain, of course. So he's really ignited the flame. It's uh, myself and Kieran are going to be living vicariously through Sligo and uh, Greystones at the weekend. But uh, it's going to be a, a top-notch clash. It always is between those two sides. So, uh, but then there are so many more. Let's maybe stick with Division Two B while we're here. If we take a little look at the fixtures 
and the results from that particular um, grade over the weekend. Then we may go back up to Division 1A, but the results at the bottom of the table there, Enniscorthy 12, Dungannon 13, Galwegians 29, Sligo 29, Greystones 14, Belfast Harlequins nil. Uh, I don't think those scores are correct. Uh, Rainy Old Boys 19, Malahide nil, and Wanderers 25, Colbert Corinthians 31. So much I do talk. think it was 14 nil. I do think the Greystones game was 14 nil. You're right. They're actually both right. Sorry, I just yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, no, I, I, the, in, my, in my head, I was thinking of something different. No, they were the actual scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's uh, but it's it's an interesting time. Greystones top of the table as we mentioned, um, 18 points from those four games. Only team with 100% record at this level. But it's it's reasonably tight then between the next bunch. Um, Galwegians got their first points of the of the week last week against. Um, Against Sligo, they picked up uh, uh, two points of that draw and escort the two points at the bottom of the table. But from Malahide then to Dungannon, second to eighth, there's only 18, eight points between them. Two weeks could see anybody move anywhere in this table. Yeah, this is a really important block of fixtures across all the divisions, really. It's going to tell a lot. You can't really tell a lot from the first block. So the second block is majorly important for everybody. For Greystones, I just want to keep on winning. Uh, to keep doing what they're doing but for other teams that want to climb up the table and get in better positions it's a super competitive uh, league you've got Galwegians you've got Sligo you've got Belfast Harlequins you've got Wanderers who I think are a very good team it, the results just haven't really went their way yet but even Enniscorthy I think you know they're just getting used to the league but I think you know they'll have a good period as well it's a very exciting league to watch and I reckon Greystones will be there, thereabouts near the top, but there's going to be lots of competition for the likes of third place, fourth place. Maybe you'll get a Malahide, like a bit of an underdog in that spot, or maybe even a Sligo, and you'll be happy, Breffney. But who knows? It's it's super competitive. It's a bit like 1B in that sense. Absolutely. Well, listen, before we leave 2B, maybe let's take a quick look at the league table in 2B. As you mentioned, Greystones at the top, uh, and Escorty, their neighbour is almost down there at the bottom of the table. But it's fairly tight between all the sides there. Dungannon right down to Malahide. As we said, only eight points between them. Um, it, it's We've talked about how competitive 1B and 2B are compared to maybe the other divisions. And we're seeing it again this year in terms of the results that have gone so far. Who's who's surprised you in this division, Kieran? Anyone stand out yet? I'm not... Like, Corinthians were good last year. I actually meant Corinthians earlier. I said Galwegians, but I actually meant Corinthians. But Corinthians were good last year and they seem to have kind of, they're good again this year. Belfast Harlequins came good at the end of last season and they're doing all right. Like they lost the Greystones at the weekend, but I think they're a really good team. Neil Doak is the coach there, former Ulster player. Um, so I'm not really surprised by anything yet, but we're only like four games in. I Maybe the one thing that I'm a little bit surprised, I thought Wanderers from seeing what they did in the preseason, I thought they'd be higher up than what they are now. Uh, I was. I really thought they'd be doing really well, but I still think they can. There's plenty of time left. Yeah, let's take a look back to the top of the divisions. In Division 1A, we have uh, Terrier College, top of the table, 20 points from four games. It doesn't get much better than that for a side, but they're very, very closely followed by Trinity and Clontarf, who, of course, meet this weekend. That has to be the weekend's uh, best fixture of the of, this, of the weekend for, for everybody here on Chicago. Uh Yeah, absolutely. Like, if... If you get down to that, if you go down to that game in Clontarf and then you go to the Ireland South Africa game, it's like it's massive. I think, to be honest, I think it's an acid test for Trinity. I think it's a much more important game for Trinity than it is for Clontarf because I think if Trinity can beat Clontarf, they know they can beat the likes of um, Clontarf or Terenior. I was talking to their manager after the game, uh, their head coach, Tony Smith, director of rugby, and he was saying that. That is, they are the two teams that they know they have to beat if they're really going to be title contenders. So Trinity knows that that's a massively important game, but I think it's the game's going to be won in the front five. I think it's going to be a real physical battle. It's going to be really tough and rough. I think Clontarf have a front five that could play against most national teams. I think they're really, really good. And I think it's going to be a massive test for Trinity, but Trinity have some really good guys in the front five. They've got Max Dunn, Jack Dunn's younger brother. Jack Dunn played for Leinster. Paddy McCarthy, who I talk about every week, is excellent. Mark Nicholson as well. Then Thomas Clarkson will probably be, be available for them at the weekend. He was with Leinster last weekend, so he didn't play against Balna Hinch. But he'll probably be available this weekend. So I think it will be one in those close quarters. And 
up front. I think if Trinity can match them, they can definitely win the game. But I'd slightly edge Clontarf. It's actually funny. It's coming up to... So they'll be playing on the 5th of November, I think it is. And I think last year on the 5th of November, on a Friday night, was the last time Clontarf lost a league game. I think it was against Lansdowne in Castle Avenue. So it's coming up to 12 months since they lost a game. So who's going to stop them is the main question. Yeah, of course, uh, Trinity will be hoping it will be them come the weekend. Uh, Shannon have had a pretty miserable start to life back in Division 1A, but that's probably been more down to the fixture list and who they've been facing rather than um, maybe the performances themselves. They have a slightly easier one going on the league table looking at it. They have a, a local derby against Gary Owen. It's never going to be easy for, for Shannon to get pick up points in that given the, the territorial nature in, of Limerick rugby. But Shannon be hoping to maybe get their first league points on the board this weekend. Yeah, it's a massive game for them. Um, with Shannon, it's strange. I've like looked at their past results. And in the first half, in the last two games, I think they've led. I think they were 9-3 up against Clontarf at the weekend. And then they were up against, I think it was Cork Con the week before or before the break. And they were up against them. So I think it's a they have a problem, I think, around the 60-minute mark. I think things start to go a bit bad for them. Maybe they're just struggling with the intensity of 1A a little bit. Uh, they're doing really well for 60 minutes. Like They have some really good players. But Gary Owen is definitely a game they have to target for a win. Like Gary Owen are a bit like them in the sense that they uh, haven't won a game yet. So they're two teams that know they really need a win against a team like Shannon or a team like Gary Owen. So for me, yeah, it's a massive kind of early relegation game, if you'd like to call it that. I don't like to call it that because it's so early in the season, but it's really important for both teams, probably more so Shannon to get a win. But I think, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to watch. And it's also a Friday night game, which adds a little bit of spice sometimes as well. Yeah, Friday night as well sees Lansdowne and Terenure, um, two local rivals, kind of, that would know each other fairly well as well at this level. Terenure have been super impressive. I think we were talking earlier about how they're averaging something like 45, 46 points a game. They have a, three, they have a comfortable three-point uh, plus points difference after just four games. Uh, they're just running through sides. Uh, UCD felt their wrath last weekend. It, it was it was painful to almost keep track of the score. Um, can they keep that run going? Um, well, I've been thinking about this for a while, and there's no, I don't think there's anything that shows that they can be stopped at the minute, to be honest, because they're like a well-oiled machine. They're they're really good. They've got the forwards. They've got the backs. The key to beating Tarnier is to slow down the ball. You have to be able to get in at the rooks and make sure they don't get that front foot ball. And I think Lansdowne really have to concentrate in and around the kind of mall area, or the rook area, sorry. And they need to kind of slow that ball down. So the likes of Jack O'Sullivan and Clive Ross for Lansdowne will be really, really important. But it's funny because if Lansdowne win, it can really kind of change their season in a way. They've lost three of their opening four games, which is something that they'd be pretty upset about. But if they can win on Friday night, it could really change things. But I think you have to you have to look at Terenure and you'd have to say they're the favourites. But in saying that, these two teams had a game the week before the AIL started, I think. It was the Leinster Senior League final. And I think it was really close. Terenure did win it. But I think it was a really physical battle. And I think there was only a few points in it or something. So I think if Lansdowne kind of used that game as a guide, maybe they can get into it and maybe they can cause Terenure problems. But I'd have to say, I, the only team that I think can stop Terenure is probably a Clontarf. And that's a game I'm already looking forward to. I don't know what week that's in, but I think if anybody's around when that game's on, you should go and have a look. Absolutely. One of the teams who are also struggling this year, UCD, zero wins out of their first four games. They host Cork Con. Not exactly the opponents you fancy when you need to get your season up and running. Yeah, well, Con have actually done really well, to be fair to them, because we talk about Taryn Yor destroying teams. Taryn Yor hammered Con a couple of weeks back like destroyed them and Con would have been pretty demoralized because nobody does that to Cork Con. Like they're a bit like Lansdowne in that way. There's kind of this aura around them and everyone kind of is a bit scared of them, especially in Munster. But they bounced back really well. I think they've won their two games since that and now they're fourth in the league. So they're they're in a pretty good position. Like and they're only six points off Terenure and five points off uh Clontarf and Trinity. So they're doing quite well. 
UCD's a funny one. Like, I, I don't know what it is about Taryn York. Taryn York beat them 60, 65 last year, I think, and they beat them, like, pretty last season, and then they beat them by a pretty big score at the weekend. But I actually think, from what I've seen in UCD in the previous three games, there was a lot, a lot of positives. I say that every week, but I don't know what's really going on with them, like, why it's not really clicking, because they have some really good players, like... I know he didn't play at the weekend, but Chris Cosgrave, if anybody's seen it for Leinster on Friday, was brilliant, excellent. And he's been playing for UCD in the three weeks before that, and he has been doing really well for them. So it's funny like how it just hasn't really clicked. Sean O'Brien, not Sean O'Brien, the Tullow Tank, a different Sean, Sean O'Brien in the Leinster Academy, has also been playing really well for them at number eight. So it's a bit funny how they haven't really got the win on the board. I can kind of understand why the likes of Gary Owen and Shannon haven't, but with UCD, I, I would have expected them to have got one by now. And actually, Clontarf played them in week one, and I think UCD probably have given Clontarf the best test so far. So it's strange that they haven't actually got that win yet. I do think it'll eventually come, and it'll be interesting to see if they can get it against Con at the weekend. Absolutely. We'll, uh, time will tell. Final game of the division in... Uh is Young Munster and Ballon the Hinch. Uh, both sides, two from two, two from four, two wins, two defeats. Uh, very similar. They're both kind of in that little middle ground, almost on their own, four points either side of, of their closest opponents. This is a, a game that both sides will look at, probably a six-pointer. It could define where in that middle space of the division they're going to finish up by the end of the year. I know it's very early to be talking in that way, but was that fair to say? No, yeah, I was writing my preview earlier, and the mid-table is like, it's a real mid-table clash, like, and if one of them loses, they're kind of a good bit behind the leading pack, and if one of them wins, they're still on the tails. I think it's probably more important for Balnehinch, to be honest with you, because they won those first two games, and everyone was kind of hyping them up, like, Luke said it one week, and you said it the other week, and I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, we have to wait a couple of rounds to see how good they actually are, so I think, like, they were very, very good against Trinity for 30 minutes, like, they really outplayed Trinity in the in a lot of ways, but then after that, they kind of fell off. I don't know if it was a fitness thing or Trinity just got better or probably just Trinity getting better, to be honest with you. But I think it's a really important game for Ballon Hinge also because they have home advantage. So they really need to win this game because I think they have Taryn Yorn round six away. So that won't be easy. Like, So they have to really target this. For Young Munster, they're always in and around that kind of fifth, sixth spot. Um, they'll be targeting this game as well. But uh, Connor Hayes is playing really good for them on the wing. Fantastic player. Fionn Gibbons as well was in Ireland in the 20s. So Young Munster will be disappointed they didn't beat Lansdowne last week. So yeah, I think that's a really, really interesting game. Just, just in the sense that if one of them loses, they could potentially fall into a kind of the bottom half of the table. And if one of them wins, it kind of keeps them kind of in the talk for those playoff places so early on. But I think it's more in, of an important game to Ballon Hinch rather than it is to Young Munster, if I'm honest. Yeah, so basically, basically consign them to guarantee the draw at this point. Uh, that is Division 1A. Let's take a quick look at the league table again before we leave uh, the division completely, just to remind you of how it looks at the top. And of course, that game of the weekend is that clash between Trinity and Clontarf. Uh, out in Castle Avenue on Saturday afternoon. Well worth keeping an eye on that one. Two games, of course, on Friday. Shannon, Gary Owen, Lansdowne and Terenure, which will no doubt interest all those top sides in Division 1A. Turning our attentions to Division 1B, uh, we had some results from the weekend. Old Wesley 6, Highfield 5, UCC 32, Banbridge 21, Old Belvo 13, Buccaneers 24, Malone 24, Nace 38 and City of Armagh 22. St. Mary's College, 34. A anything stand out to you there? For me, it's still Buccaneers March. It just seems to be never-ending. It has to be books, really, because you have to remember they they came from 2A, and a lot of the times when teams come up from 2A, you don't really know what to expect from them. Uh, but books, three wins out of four, that's pretty much as good as it gets. Like, you could say four out of four would be brilliant, but three out of four, like, if you had said that to them at the start of the season... I'm pretty sure they would have bit your hand off. So, like, you know, Eddie O'Sullivan is obviously doing a great things down there and he's got belief in the side. Um, and, yeah, I think it's a really, really good win for them. But Old Belvedere, I don't know what it is. I was talking to somebody recently and as soon as they go out of Ollie Campbell Park, they seem to freeze a little bit. They just can't get those away wins. 
they're really good at home, but they just can't get any sort of away form or traveling form. And that's something that's a bit of a worry, to be fair, like because they've got some really good players. They've got Mick O'Kennedy, who was with Trinity last year. They've got Kale Thatcher and Jaden Pickett, the two New Zealanders who went to school together. And Jaden Pickett, he's a phenomenal player in the center, really, really good. So they have the players. So they need to be able to fix that away form problem that they have. And if they can do that, they can definitely push for top four. But on books, I think, yeah, it's dream stuff from them. And they won't want it to end, I don't think. So they'll be hoping for more of the same. Yeah. Anything else catch your eye from the games last weekend? St. Mary's had a good win. Uh, Sean Cronin seems to be making Templeville a bit of a, a bit of a fortress. They've had two really good wins at home. It'll be interesting to see what they can do. They're always super competitive. Um, Highfield Wesley was a bit of a strange one, actually. I watched a bit of the highlights, and it was only 6-5, which is really, really low scoring. I seen Stuart McAvoy, the commentator, said it was rugby for the purest. Like, I wouldn't have liked to be commentating on that one if it was low scoring. So, yeah, it was a bit of a strange one, because actually Old Wesley and Highfield kind of set the standard in 1B last season. They were one and two, and they pretty much beat everyone. So, yeah, it was a strange result. But Wesley would be delighted that they got the win because they really needed that. Uh, Highfield would be disappointed that they've lost their last two games, to be fair. And, like, yeah, I think 1B is really... I struggle to talk about it every week because it's super, super competitive. Um, and it'll be really... It's really interesting every week, but... I think at the minute with books doing their thing and then UCC, who we haven't even talked about yet, but UCC seem to be doing really, really well. I, I heard Eddie O'Sullivan say in an interview he did recently, he said uh, it's way better to be bottom or to be top of 1B than it is to be bottom of 1A, which is exactly what UCC are going through right now. Last year, they really struggled. They were getting beaten pretty bad most weeks in 1A and now they're flying high in 1B. Michael Bradley, obviously, you know, he's been a pro coach and he's achieved lots as a coach. So, and he's bringing in good things in UCC, but they look really good at the minute. Like to win all your games in 1B is some feat. Like, so, uh, yeah, 1B is always interesting and it's a tough one to call, like, because it really changes every week. The two games for the weekend ahead, probably that deserve most attention are probably in that mid table pack again. And we're looking at Highfield against City of Armagh. And Old Wesley and Belvo, and those two games probably for me are the two that would draw my eye in terms of maybe the competitive nature that we can expect to see from them. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is, like I always say, the AIL needs to be it needs to be seen by everyone. And Old Belvedere, I have to say, do the best stream of anyone in the like in terms of quality. In terms of quality, it's not just because I've commentated on a few of their games, but it in terms of quality, like it's. It's top notch and it's free, like so. You may as well, if you're at nothing, like jump on YouTube and watch that game because AIL is fantastic to watch. Like and uh, yeah, it's gonna be a really good game. And if when the streams there, I think it's it's brilliant for everyone because you can go in and you can watch the game. Yeah, no, there have been a few clubs that we cover games across the league and uh, that have had really, really, really high production quality on their streams as well. But camera work, commentary, um. It's just a, it's a really good production. It's an enjoyable watch. So do check that out with your local clubs. And uh, if you can't get to a game or in some way game, you just can't get to uh, maybe check that out as well. But before we leave 1B, maybe let's take a quick look at the league table. Um, I just mentioned UCC running away with it at the moment. Very, very early days in that division just yet with Buccaneers and St. Mary's College looking to get back on their coattails this weekend. Those four that we talked about all face each other. One point separates those four sides Highfield, they play City of Armagh, while Old Wesley and Old Belvedere will clash also this weekend. And then at the bottom, Nace, Malone, Banbridge. Interestingly enough, though, Kieran, nobody's still with a duck egg in the win column. Everyone's off the mark. Everyone's up and running. We can expect to see this just get tighter and tighter as the season progresses. No, there'll only be a few points between, I'd say, third and seventh come the end of the season. And Nace were actually the last team. They won at the weekend against Malone, so they were the last team to kind of get the win. Um, they're actually very good as well uh, Sean O'Brien actually I seen last week that he tore his hamstring off the bone so I don't think we're going to be we're not going to be seeing him probably for the rest of the season but Nace are a very good team Oscar Colley the scrum half is probably in the form of his life at the minute I think he scored maybe I think it's 
I think he scored four tries in three games or something like that anyway. But he's playing really well. And then they've got some exciting backline players like the likes of Andrew Osborne, Donald Conroy. So Nace can play with like they can play with anyone as well. It's a super competitive division. I know I say it every week and I'm like a broken record, but actually you don't know what's gonna happen. Like so that's why what UCC are doing at the minute, beating everyone is like super impressive. It's almost as impressive as Terran your racking up big score lines every week because one B I'd say is more competitive than one A is. Yeah. Um okay, division one done. Let's look at the women's stuff before we want to division two A and two C later in the program. Uh, some big results last weekend. Railway Union had a great win against Galwegians, puts them top of the table, I suppose by virtue of the fact that Old Belvo lost to Black Rock. Um the top three sides again were really tight at the top of this table. One point separating the three of them. Who do you think is going to come away at the end of the season with with the silverware? Because we split again in basically two or three games time. Um, what what can you tell us about what's going to happen with that, Kieran? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's the top four going to a competition, and then it would have been the bottom six. But Malone obviously pulled out at the start of the season, so it'll be the bottom five, and then it kind of is like the conference competition. And then it's the top proper like cup competition, as if you want to call it that. So the one railway have won for the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting because Galwegians and Wicklow played this weekend and it's actually fourth versus fifth. So whoever wins that is in a pretty comfortable kind of position to make the top four. So that'll be a really interesting game. But probably the game of the week is, I think, railway are playing Old Belvedere, if I'm correct, this weekend. And that, that's a massive game. Old Belvedere obviously coming off the loss against Blackrock College. They'll want to fix that. And Railway won't want to lose their 100% winning record. And then next week, Railway play Blackrock. So it's all kind of coming to a head at the top of the table. Uh, those three teams are going to be the three teams that kind of contest, conti- contest the main kind of trophy come the end of the season. And it, it's interesting because I was saying to you before, like that fourth place is a bit of a... It's a bit of a poison chalice, like because you feel like you're doing really well, and you're like, uh, "Oh, we're in the top competition." But if you get into the fourth, you could be well beaten by the top three. So it's a bit of a weird one. Do you really want to make the top four? Of course, as sports people, you want to be the best you can be, so you do want to make the top four. But in a case of a Wicklow or a Galwegians, if you finish outside that, do you have a better chance of winning silver? Well, we heard Emma Roberts earlier in the in the season talk about on this very show talk about how she didn't care. She wanted to improve herself. She wanted her team to improve themselves. And the only way they felt that that was going to happen for them was by playing the likes of BlackRock, the likes of Obelbo, the likes of Railway Union week in, week out. And she had said it as one of her goals that Wicklow would take that. They've given themselves a really good chance. A victory against Galwegians at the weekend would set them up completely because um, I think they'd be pretty much clear you were bows back in sixth place and Galway with that game extra played with only one fixture left and it would be advantage Wicklow in that sense. Yeah, I think Wicklow have two games left. I I think they're going to Ollie Campbell Park next week against Old Belvedere, so that won't be easy. But maybe that's the test they need. If if Old Belvedere are in third place and Wicklow are in fourth place, maybe that'll tell us a lot that we need to know, you know. Um yeah it's it's a funny one because Ella's like the ultimate competitor so She'll obviously want to be playing against the best and, you know, making it into the Leinster squads and everything come after Christmas. Like, you need to be up against the best to kind of show, put your best foot forward. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Do you want to win Do you want to win trophies or do you want to learn at the top? It's, it's a tough question, I think. Yeah, I think just look at the fixtures. Wicklow, after the Galwegians game at the weekend, face uh, Obelvo and Railway Union in their last two games. Whereas the last game for Norwegians in their fun, only game after weekend is a trip to UL Bowes. So you would fancy based on form uh, and this was just tradition that Norwegians would probably be the favourites to get that fourth spot. But stranger things have happened. Yeah, well, it's really on this Saturday. Like it's really all on that game this Saturday. Um, yeah, and whoever wins gets that place in the top four. And it's a bit of a fairy tale story to be fair for either team because... UL Bows have kind of taken that spot in recent times, but they haven't really hit the mark this year. So it's a massive chance for a Wicklow or a Galwegians to kind of 
to kind of show how far they've come, especially Wicklow, considering this is their only their second full season in the AIL. So it would be a great story to tell. But uh, yeah, it's it's super good, and they have to split the league, though. It's they have to do it, like you know, with the way it is and the way certain teams are miles ahead of the rest. It just makes it more competitive in the long run. I think it's it's unfortunate that they have to do that, but like you know, you want teams to be going into games thinking that they have an opportunity of winning it. So I do think it is important to do the split as well. Let's take a look at that league table, which will be split in just a couple of rounds times. Railway Belleville and Black Rock uh, sitting nice and pretty on the top of the table. Uh, so tight between those three sides. Look at the absolutely savage point difference that Railway Union have. 307 points plus after five games. Only 19 points conceded. That's colossal. At the other end of the table, Cook and Balancholic have struggled so far this year. Setonians and UL Bowes just slightly better. Uh, while those two we talked about, Goegians and Wicklow, will be vying for effectively that fourth place this weekend. There will be mathematical options that would see Goegians uh, still qualify fourth should they beat Wicklow and results go to form elsewhere. But realistically, it's all on the line this weekend. So um, we'll see what happens at the weekend. If you were putting your money on it, uh, Kieran, what side would you be landing? Well, Wicklow's my local club, so I don't think I can say Galwegians. I I don't think it's in me to say Galwegians, uh, to be honest. But uh, you yeah, never been back in the club in the club gates. Yeah, no, I have to say, we. I genuinely think though, Wicklow can actually win it. It's not me just saying it. I think they're on a real upward trajectory at the minute, and I think they can win the game. It's at home as well, so they always get a huge crowd uh, on Saturdays. So yeah, I think Wicklow can get the job done. To be fair. Okay, let's turn attention to Division 2A. We've already had a quick look at 2B earlier in the programme when we were chatting uh, with the Greystones captain, Owen Marmion. But uh, 2A, uh, results down there on the table underneath uh, the conversation here. Blackrock College, 30, Queens, 29. Uh, the other results I did miss as they went through, but they were quite simply Nemes, 14, Balmina, 16. Uh, Barnhall, 22, Cashel, 21. Dolphin 27, Bohemians, ULOs 24, Navin 15, Old Crescent 9, and Blackrock College and Queen's University 20, uh, 30, sorry, 29 at uh, Queen's. It's it's a like we've talked about other divisions being tight. Maybe the league table isn't quite as tight in this particular division at the moment, but there's five games. Uh two points between the sides, one point between the sides, three points, six, and one. All games losing bonus points. Some big scores as well. It wasn't like it was 5-8. These games were uh, decent games, nearly all with at least one side getting a bonus point out of a game. Um, it's competitive. The league is super competitive, Kieran. Yeah, I think that's what makes the area so good because I always have this thing about the URC that maybe it's not the most competitive competition in the world. Like it's, Most weeks you'll see Leinster run away with it and they might have like a a seconds team out so i think the aal is that competitive rugby that we need in this country um but yeah you have to start with that queen's result it's really surprising to be fair like blackrock college only came up from 2b beat greystones in that final with the last play uh, last season and they beat queens i think they're the first team to beat queens this season in the regular league season so massive win for them like it really it's a statement of intent you know and I did kind of say to Luke at the start of the season that I wouldn't be surprised if Blackrock College were up near the kind of top of 2A come the end of the year. And that's like a, it's a massive win. And Queens will be, would have been a little bit surprised by that maybe because they were kind of a bit like Terenior and a bit like um, UCC. They were kind of doing really well and nobody was really getting anywhere near them. So yeah, massive result for Blackrock College. Um, anything else catch your catch your eye in terms of the games? Obviously, UL or Crescent struggling at the moment. UL beaten by three points by Dolphin, Crescent by six against Navin. Um, Dolphin particularly, UL will be disappointed to have lost that. Yeah, UL just haven't really kicked into gear yet this this season. But I mean, it's only three points. I know it's hard to it's hard to take a loss at any time, but they have to look at it as they got the one point, which is better than nothing. And they are getting closer to a win. So they kind of have to build on these performances every week and on these results. Um, MU Barnhall got the win as well, which is pretty big for them. They're obviously a good student uh, student team. They got 
lots of people from Manuka University. I think they'd probably be a team I tip as dark horses for this division. If they can get things right, they can really push uh, towards those playoff positions. So that was a good win for them. And yeah, two A seems to be seems to be quite competitive. It wouldn't be one of the leagues that I'm most familiar with, but I always keep an eye and know what's going on. Yeah, so quick look at the league table uh, in Division 2A. Queens lead the way, 16 points from their opening four games. Uh, that defeat at the weekend at the hands of Blackrock, who have closed the gap at the top of the table to just that one point. Uh, and as you can see, fairly tight there amongst the next few teams, Navin, Balamina, Cashel, Barnhall, uh, only a point or level pegging between those particular sides. Nina and Dolphin on nine, while UL, Bowes and Old Crescent finish off the table uh, at the foot three points and two points respectively we move on to division two c uh, plenty of games played in that division as well number five of course played last weekend Estonians 33 balanan 19 brough 11 bangor 17 sunday's well 10 oma academicals 119 clamel 21 scaries 43 middleton 12 and tullamore 20 points um a bit more clear-cut this division. Uh, big wins, Scaries in particular. Uh, they'll be delighted with their big win at the weekend. Um, Instonians, though, is really the story of the of the round. We talked about teams coming up. We talked about Buccaneers coming up to two uh, A and a one being a do quite well straight away. Blackrock College similarly in two A. Now we're seeing Instonians have come straight up and have just hit the ground running. Four bonus point wins, uh, four games. Like, you, you spoke earlier about you, it's as good as you can expect it. That is as good as you can expect. Yeah, no, and rewind six months. Uh, Ball and I were playing in 2B, and uh, Instonians were playing in the Ulster Junior Division, the Ulster Top Junior Division. Uh, like, so that's a big difference. Like, there was, li- there was literally two leagues, or one league between them. Like, um, so it's massive, you know, that Instonians have started so well, but I'm not surprised. I always... I'm always a big advocate for junior rugby, especially at the kind of top top level junior rugby. So I think Estonians will go up. I'm pretty confident in saying that. It's only week four, but I'm fairly confident that they they are going to be going up for battle now. It's they're really struggling this this season. Um, Tullamore, another team that I think will definitely be in the top four mix this this time around. They they look really good. Scaries are. Scaries are always going to be there, thereabouts in this division. I think they lost in the final last year against uh, Enniscorthy, and they'll be they'll be there, thereabouts, as I said. So, yeah, 2C is probably a little bit more clear-cut. As you mentioned earlier, It's there's kind of a few teams that are leading from the front, and Instonians, like, it's, it's amazing to see how a team can be at junior level one year and then go to the AIL when it's, it's supposed to be like this jump up in a level, but for Estonians, it doesn't really look like they've jumped up a level. It just seems like they've they've stepped on the accelerator and they're just going as fast as they can and steamrolling through the division almost. But surely momentum must be a huge benefit to a team coming into a league like that. As we've seen it with Buccaneers, we've seen it with Blackrock College, now we're seeing it with Estonians. Um, because whether they would agree with me or not, you're looking at teams who have been exempt from relegation for two years uh, because of COVID, and it, it it it's possible that teams might have just gone, oh, we're in that little bit of a stale kind of rut, and Estonians have come in with that momentum and just carried themselves to the top of the table. Yeah, but I do think it's to do with the, how hard it is to actually achieve senior status. Like when you get in that round-robin competition, so the Ulster champions, Connacht champions, Munster and Leinster champions, when they like have to do that little competition at the end, like it's so difficult. Not only do you have to win your provincial junior league, but then you have to go into this other competition afterwards against really good teams. So I think when you've been in that sort of competition, it's not really a step up because you know you've played against some really difficult sides and you've won. And then when it comes to going into 2C, you feel more than confident that you can deal with everyone and you can... You can beat everyone that's put in front of you. Like Enniscorthy have done it there in 2B. Uh, I think they looked like they were going to go up from 2C the first year of COVID. And then the season got stopped in March. But Enniscorthy were top of the table at that time. So that they probably would have been in 2B a lot earlier if it wasn't for COVID. And they're the exact 
kind of same situation as Instonians. So it's not really surprising. Like we've seen it happen before, and I think it'll it'll happen again. Like I think once you once you get over that kind of hump of junior rugby and get into senior, you can really just push on from there. Yeah, Oma and Tullamore probably my pick of the games this weekend. Uh, both sides just vying for that second place at the moment, third and fifth. Um, it's a long journey up from Tullamore as well to Oma. They won't particularly enjoy that. Yeah, no, it is a long journey. My grandparents actually live there, so it's a, it's a very long journey. It takes three hours here from Wicklow, so yeah, it's it de- it depends. Sometimes those type of journeys can have a have an effect. Like if you're not really in the mood for it, if like even if you're thinking about the Ireland game and you're like, ah, oh, I could be doing without this, you know. Sometimes it can, sometimes you cannot really be that bothered, and other times you can be really up for it because you're thinking about the the cans on the way home that you're gonna have. But yeah, it's it's a funny one because that's the mad thing about the AL. You don't know where you could end up <laughs> every weekend. Like you know, you have a set of home games, but then you have a, another set of games where you could literally end up anywhere on a Saturday. So it's that's what makes it so interesting. Absolutely. Well, before we finish up the show, let's take a quick look at the table in Division 2C. Instonians, as we mentioned, six points clear after just four games. Super impressive from the newly promoted side. They are top of that table. Bangor, Tullamore, Scaries, Oma Academicals, very little between those sides. A couple of bonus points here or there, while Middleton, Brough, Sunderswell and Clonmel with Ballina struggling at the foot of the table at the moment. Will they get their opportunity this week to maybe break that duck with the trip down to Limerick to play Brough? Time will tell, but it's a it's going to be a big ask for Ballina to kind of get that back from the per- the precipice of uh, relegation to junior football. It's very early. I'm sure we'll see them pull that right back. But Kieran, that's all we have time for this week. Well, before uh, you leave, I was just going to say about the the high performance contracts that were announced today for the women. I think it's really good. I know I know some women decided not to not to go for the contracts, but I think it is a step in the right direction in terms of women's sport in the country and especially for rugby. So I was happy to see that. Yeah, no, it's a great announcement. 29 players signed as professionals uh, for the coming season, at least um, a great step for the RFU. We'll probably have more on the show about that next week. We'll try and get some of the team on to have a chat with us about what exactly uh, it looks to like to be a professional ladies women's rugby player in Ireland um, we'll have a chat with someone from that squad next week on the show uh, Kieran, thanks for joining me as always to Owen Marmion uh, captain of Greystones uh, the best of luck to him well the second best of luck to him this weekend uh, against my own local side here Sligo um, we'll be back with you again next week don't forget you can check out all of the live updates on our website, finalwhistle.ie, the whole way through the games on a Saturday afternoon to keep track of who's winning and who's losing in your rivals, or even if you can't get to your own game. We'll be back with you again next week. Talk to you then.